You're listening to the Current Reality Podcast, where we talk about staying anchored in biblical reality within the current of modern culture. I'm Michael Cleary, and with me is Wade Thomas. To give us some feedback or ask a question, email us at currentrealitypodcast at gmail.com. And while you're at it, I want you to go ahead and leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or whatever you use. And I noticed this yesterday, Wade, when I was preparing for this. On Spotify, which I don't normally look at, mm-hmm. we have all five-star reviews. Really? Yeah. Both oh. of them. <laughs> Both of them. I, I, yeah. I, I, Actually, there are, there are 22 reviews really? yesterday that I saw. Yeah, 22 reviews, all five-star reviews. And so I've got a household of six. You've got mm-hmm. a household of eight. All so, of them. So plus another eight outside yeah, another, of our Another eight people, uh, maybe friends from church. So thank you, the rest no. of you people. Genuinely, thank you to all listeners. That that means a lot. Yeah, it does mean a lot. And I don't think that anybody's lying. Yeah. Uh, I think people, would, <laughs> if it were our friends, they would just ignore it whenever we ask. So, and some is. do. <laughs> We've got one buddy who says he does not listen to the show because when he tries, he's like, I could just call them and talk to them <laughs> about this thing. Yeah. It's like, it, it just sounds like Michael and Wade talking around the office. Why do I have to download that on a podcast? And yet, my wife listens and likes it, even though she's probably heard most of the things I say in this podcast three times that week already. Yeah. Yeah, like, same with my wife. I mean, she she's read my book, and but she's like, I've heard all this before. You know, you've said all these things many times, but I'm like, sweetheart, but still. still listen and leave still, a five-star like, Yeah, <laughs> read the book, you know, yeah. listen. But she does listen to the podcast, probably because if anybody gets upset about something, yeah, we she say wants she wants context. That's a good call. <laughs> That's a good call. If you could get the book, God's Good Design, read by like a di- like an like an actor that she likes or something, or like a voice that she likes, would she listen to it then? Would she listen to the audio if like Liam Neeson did it? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, she's read it. She's not an... She's, she's not, not an audio, audio book. book. Okay. All right. She's not an audio book. Woman. It's on Canon Plus, so we should we should reach out to somebody and be like, "Look, could you yeah. get?" And it's read by Liam Neeson. All right, on Canon Plus. Thank you. Shout out to Liam Neeson. All right, I read it on the audio book recording. Anyway, here we go. All right. So, by the way, check out our King's Domain Conference. It's mm-hmm. coming up in April, so be sure to check that out. The theme is gendered virtue: men and women who take dominion. And we are going to be recording a live episode of Current Reality Podcast at the conference. And that so that's fun. We did it yeah. last year. It was a good time. It's 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 different, though, because we've got, you know, uh, we had a few guys that we were interviewing on the yeah. panel. Still a good time, though. Enjoyed it. Yeah, had a lot of fun. The speakers for our conference this year is Michael Foster, Toby Sumter, Joe Rigney, and others. And it's in Cincinnati from April 18 through 20. And the website is genderedvirtue.com or or moscomood.com. Right. In case you can't tell by the fact that like half of the Canon Plus contributors are at this conference. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, genderedvirtue.com. And I, I'm really excited about the conference. I've, we've worked hard to make it cheap. It's not mm-hmm. expensive. $120 is like the max price. There's yeah. like early bird pricing right now. And I've heard a lot of conferences are like insanely expensive. Yeah. But this one is reasonably priced. I think it'll be very much worth the money, especially given the quality of speakers that you'll hear. Yeah. Very good guys. And you, you quick pitch, you might get to, you probably will get to meet and interact with it. 
some of these speakers, but also other people who are in that same space who will be at this conference. I was really surprised at how many guys I got to meet and talk with that I had never met in person before at last year's. Yeah. And it wasn't because I helped put on the conference. They didn't know that at the time. Like when William Wolf showed up, yeah. he didn't know who I was, but we just talked for a little while. Yeah. So like mm-hmm. after one of the nights of the conference, we did a, a get together at a Airbnb that we'd rented out for the speakers. And I'm just like, Walking around the house, and I'm like, there's William Wolf. There's, right. you know, Aaron Wren is there. Michael Foster's there. And, you know, all the other guys, like yeah. everybody's, Josh Dawes was hanging out there and yeah. Chase Davis. So these guys are just, we're all hanging out in the house. I'm like, these are, what's great about about these people is that there's, in our little tribe, they're well-known, and we appreciate them the way a lot of people would appreciate any celebrity. But they don't, they're not celebrities. Right. And they don't think of themselves that way, and it'd be kind of a kind of weird to treat them that way. Yeah. They're just they're just normal guys. And you can talk to them. That's why I got, I mean, I got to hang out and hang out, get to know a lot of these guys last year. And it was great. That was my favorite part. Me too. They, was, they have bold faith. They're worth listening to. And I learned things talking to most of them. Yeah. So at the Fight Laugh Feast conference that Wade and I went to a few months ago, Joe Rigney was at a dinner and we had already invited him to come mm-hmm. to the conference. And we saw him sitting at a t- you know table and I just went up my, like, hey, Joe, we are... I'm the guy that emailed you and you agreed to come to our conference. We ended up having like an hour-long conversation, and I was so edified by that conversation. It really challenged me, and I'm like, man, I cannot wait to hear hear what you have to say at our conference and to get to interact with them more. Great man. So it's it's awesome. So be registered for that, 18 to 20 in April. There's a singles mixer that we'll have. So if you're single and are interested Mm -hmm. in networking and meeting, maybe somebody like-minded will have that as available to you. But- it's it's worth it. It's cheap. It's a couple of days in Cincinnati. If you end up getting married with somebody you met at that singles met, we will sponsor your wedding. King's Domain Wedding. Not pay for it. Just sponsor. Yeah, sponsor. And by sponsor, we mean give you a blessing. <laughs> right. We'll, we'll brand it for you and we'll do a live podcast right there as you do your vows. Yeah. I'd love to see families formed out of this thing. We did see at the Fight Laugh Feast when a guy proposed. I, they put a picture up the That's next right. day. That's right. And, and, and actually... Well, I don't want to say their names, but there's a, a couple, a man in our church and a woman in oh, a, yeah, and yeah. a sister church. Yep. I don't think they met at that. What That was the county before country. Yeah, I think they did meet because of these associations we have. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. They met because of that, but maybe not at the event itself. Yeah. But, I mean, it's, you know, they, they've been together for several months now and things are looking good. But yeah, by we, God's grace, they're going to have four kids in five years. That's my guess. I mean, they, they just seem like that kind of couple. Yeah. If they get married, and that's yes. no pressure on them if right. they know who Well, they if are. you know who you are, sorry if I just put pressure on you. Yeah. All right, today's episode. Yep. So I, I, I said, When Airlines Go Woke was the title I had in my head. Is that does that title work for you, Wade? What do you think? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, the only thing is it's not scary enough. So what <laughs> I want you to picture is airplanes falling out of the sky because we no longer care who's flying the plane so much as we care what their skin tone is. Yeah. Um, or what when their airlines, sexuality is. Right. Or, when airlines go woke, could make you think, well, you know, there's worse things that could happen. Yeah. There's there's almost literally not worse things that could happen. Like, <laughs> I want you, I mean, who flies these giant, you know, however many ton objects that carry us five miles up in the sky, hundreds of miles an hour, matters a lot. Yeah. I mean, 100 ton hunks of metal. Right. Flying through the air at hundreds of miles an hour, right, and filled with human beings and children, and you know, flying from one place to another. And oh, by the way, if they crash into something, they're like 
a giant bomb. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, you could you could literally use it as a missile, like it happened at nine eleven. But you know what? Let's get a bunch of trans women to fly these things. Yeah, because that's what really matters. Mm-hmm. We care about diversity more than we care about competence, right. about safety. That that those things are secondary. What really matters to us at United Airlines or whoever is that we get to virtue signal to the public as some virtuous people, some noble people, because we've got gay people in the you know in you know the flight crew and right. some trans dude flying the airplane. Terrorist hijackers care more about the qualifications of the people they put on the planes to take them over than United <laughs> Airlines apparently currently does. Yeah, it, I mean it, it, it's frightening and. We're not joking. That's the thing. It, it it's crazy. So I, we have a I have a tweet here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, a, a, it's a it's a, like a screenshot that I took. The noun is still tweet. We still call them tweets, even though it's X. We don't call them X's. You could call it a post. Okay. And if you're like, you know, twenty five years or younger, you spell post with an A. P O A S T, like a roast in the oven. Like you, toast. Toast. Okay. Yeah. Toast, but it's a post. It's like I posted I this no picture, idea. and you you add the A in there because you're. A millennial, and there's really no other reason. I had no clue. But for for us grandfathers and senile old guys, they're still tweets. Yeah. So, so this is United Airlines. They're it's a photograph of their diversity team, and you know it's from Christmas time, from December 21st of last year, and it's a season of celebration and reflection. I'm reading the caption mm-hmm. here in celebration of in celebration of the December holiday season. Of course, yeah. What kind of tr- that's a December holiday tree hmm. behind them? I wonder what 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 December holiday could they be referring to? Who's to say? Who? Yeah, it could be it could be anything. But well, for the sake of argument, we'll just we'll just go with it. Mm-hmm. In celebration of the December holiday season, Chief Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Officer Jessica Munch, M U E N C H, mm. and her team share some of their favorite holiday traditions and what they're looking forward to going and what they're looking forward to going into the next year. And I'm looking at the picture, and they're all they look like they're all African American right. or some kind of brown skin tone, and they're they clearly want to they're they're selling something. They're like right. look look at how diverse they are. But the thing is, is that this is United Airlines. This is and there's commercials that are out there of of flight crews, like all female flight crews, female pilots, female flight attendants, female, you know, people that have the little wand that they wave around mm-hmm. on the ground to tell the airplane where to go. This is what they really are celebrating. Yeah. And it, what's nuts is like, don't wouldn't you think that the flying public who wants to get from New York to Los Angeles without dying would really care about competence? We're going to get you there efficiently. Right. We've got reasonable rates, whatever. I don't think anybody, I mean, maybe they do. Maybe There may be people out there that what they really care about is diversity. But I tell you, for my money, I could care less if it's all lily white old dudes. Right. I want to get from point A to point B efficiently and safely. And that's what matters. So I think there are probably some people who have been so affected by this religion that at least at the moment, they this would appeal to them. But most people who have been flying for any number of years or who have, God forbid, somehow been connected to an airline accident, they would know, I don't care what anybody in this plane looks like. Can they fly the plane? Yeah. That's what I care about. You know, I mean, with we, we would do this with surgery, right? Not like, hey, listen, let yeah. me make, please, can we make sure that we've got enough Indian American surgeons that are going to operate 
when I come in for my, I don't know, like Indian Americans, like Indians are pretty competent. Yeah, I just with. picked the first thing that popped <laughs> into my head. But I'm just saying like, you don't care. You want the person who can do the job, which is actually good. That's what well, you well, should want. Now, let's say you're, you, you take your kid to the doctor, first child, and you know, you have a doctor, okay, here's a pediatrician that's accepting new patients. So you go to, you set up an appointment, you go to the pediatrician's office, pediatrician walks in, there you are with your new baby, and it's a dude in a dress. And he says, hello, my right. name is Catherine. I'm your, do- I'm Dr. Catherine, whatever. You would think, like, I, I there's no way yes. that you're coming anywhere near my child. Correct. Because you are in rebellion against reality itself. Correct. Let me go ahead and just give you the head. Let me be clear here. If you take your child to a trans woman pediatrician, you're committing child abuse. Now, how, how, well, how about this though, Wade? Let's say we take a trans woman and put him in charge of the entire healthcare system right. in the United States of America as a cabinet appointment for Wait, President Biden. We wouldn't do that. Surely we <laughs> no, would not. No, America's put, not that crazy. Yes, no, no way we would do that. So if, if you are a man who cannot assess and discern your actual sex, you are thoroughly unqualified and unprepared for flying a giant, 100-ton object through the air at five miles an hour, the safety of which hundreds of lives depend on. And the same thing with medicine. So I can't even remember the man's name who runs, who's the secretary. What what, what position Uh, does Rachel Levine? Rachel Levine. Is it the head of the Department of Health and Human Services? That sounds right. Secretary of, yeah. So that man, because he is a man, that man is not qualified to assess reality and the way that i that doesn't mean that literally everything he does is like he can't you know turn on a light switch but in general he has a dem a, a demonstrable inability to assess the real world mm-hmm. and the way that i know that he has a demonstrable inability to assess the real world is the man is wearing a dress yeah and not ashamed of it see back in the day when j edgar hoover may apparently have worn dresses he did it in closets running the FBI. And the reason why the entire country then, when they found out about it, if it's true, made jokes about J. Edgar Hoover wearing dresses is because everybody in the country knew, wow, it's weird for a guy who wears dresses to be running a big institution. That's weird. Yeah. Correct. Rachel Levine should not be running an institution. Rachel Levine should, first of all, be called to repentance and faith in Christ and forgiveness for all of his sins. But secondly, helped to realize he's a man and live in light of his man and get go back to his wife and provide for his children. Yeah. Well, how about if, would you put a, a dude like this in charge of an airline, say United Airlines? Would you yeah. make him CEO? No, absolutely not. So this is Rob Schneider, who- was, I think I can play it. We can try to play okay. it. Okay. Rob Schneider was great in 51st Dates, which I don't recommend. It's got some uh, lewd commentary in it, but he was funny in that movie. What else has Rob Schneider been in? He was in- I mean, I mean, he's been in like multiple Adam he's got Sandler that, movies. Yeah, it's an Adam Sandler movie about football. He's like, you can do it. Yeah, Waterboy. Like Waterboy, that's Water. what it was. So apparently, I, I don't know if Rob is, is Christian or not, but apparently he is willing to be sane in stand-up comedy and Hollywood at large, which Dave Chappelle and several others could tell you to be sane, especially on issues of gender and sexuality today. Mm-hmm. Will, will, you'll irk the the mass oh, yeah. media enterprise around us but rob put out this this tweet and then this 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 video right you got the video of him yeah we'll try to play it and listen and this is rob schneider from a comedy routine it's about one minute long the ceo of united airlines last month the ceo he announced of all the hiring for all the new pilots that are coming up this year all the hiring for the new pilots the main focus is going to be diversity 
Why? Subversity. Not the best pilots you can find. The ones with the most hours of experience. Is it dope, is no diversity. I don't know about you, but I'm sick and tired of flying all the time with these white pilots landing safely and on time. Boring. It's great. It's great. <laughs> so in the the crowd, they they love it. Yeah, they're eating it. The up. one they, guy wooed when he said diversity. Yeah, and I wonder if that guy was woke or if he was like knew where it was going. Yeah, but it, it, clearly it's like. Schneider, yeah. he had him. He yeah, had him. because He's right. Because there are there are obviously a sufficient number to, in a, in a, in the country of our size, nearly four hundred million people at this point. There are tens of millions of people who are aware that this stuff is insane, but many and many of them have not seen somebody who could articulate it. Quick aside, we don't have to explore it, but I do think that's a little bit of the base Donald Trump, President Trump, tapped into for all of his many flaws and sins. Yeah. I think he tapped into a lot of people who were like, things are insane. Yeah. And everybody's afraid to say they're insane. Well, a lot of the Republican candidates prior to and alongside of Trump, 2016, when everything broke, the entire country broke in 2016. And it was because all of the candidates running on the right, on the Republican side, they were running according to the leftist framing yeah, of the issues. Yeah. So they're like, look, we, it's like Nikki Haley's yeah, trying to do yeah, it. Now. It's yeah. absurd. Nikki Haley claiming about being beat up or no picked on for her brown skin. for being brown yeah. and you look at her and i'm like i didn't know she was brown or ever was brown Correct. she does not look brown to me she doesn't look like any other ethnicity other Correct. than just a, a white woman from south carolina but according to her she was playing on this victim status yes. and being oppressed and but that that's how the left thinks and what people are hungry for is a candidate who's not going to accept right. as valid the leftist framing of issues. You shouldn't care whether I'm brown or white, and I don't care, so I'm not dealing with it. That, like, that's the fact that, uh, also, by the way, just a quick aside on that, the fact that I don't believe she actually is still traumatized by it or bothered by it, but she was affecting as though she was mm -hmm. in, that, in that interview. If she is still messed up by the fact that 40 years ago, somebody teased her for being brown on a playground. She is not fit to be the governor or president of anything. Yeah. If, if that still rattles you 40 or 50 years later to the point where you have to talk about it in an interview, a televised interview yeah. with people who don't know you. Well, she was already running as the woman. Yeah. And, you know, whenever you have a woman running for political office, the fact that it's a woman is supposed to curry the female vote is like, hey, vote for me, not because of what I stand for, but vote for me because because of some identity yeah. but evidently that wasn't enough because she was she wasn't she was trailing trump in the polls and she needed a boost and so she started playing up this ethnicity thing too and it totally backfired Correct. i mean last night yesterday was the new hampshire primary and and trump trounced her even though they allowed for democrats and independents to vote in the republican primary yeah you will never be moderate enough if the left has decided to hate you. Absolutely. You will never be whatever enough. Doesn't matter. So just stop caring and just say what's true. That's a superpower. Yeah. That really is a superpower. If you can just resolve not to care. Yeah. Because the, the great thing is we're actually commanded in Scripture not to be bullies or belligerent. So I can just, I can just obey my God in his Bible. Yeah. So, I, <laughs> you know, there, there are times that President Trump is a belligerent fool and a yeah. bully and those are sinful yeah but you know what he is right about not caring whether you call him a racist yeah that's a, that is a good thing it is a good thing that he doesn't care if he's not truly racist and yeah. I, I have no reason to think he is yeah so well there's a 
Back to the, the airline tweet. thing. There's a, I, I want to read to you from a tweet that Rob Schneider also tweeted about. So this is something he wrote, and it's kind of an open letter to Scott Kirby. Yeah. Oh, you know, actually, we we actually, I don't think we told the story of Scott Kirby, did we? So Scott Kirby. I Kirk- didn't know. So you're going to be telling me. Oh, you didn't know this? No, okay. I, I'd heard something about his name, but I'm, so I'm guessing he's not just a normal guy. Well, buckle up. All right. right. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. Scott Kirby is the CEO of American, or excuse me, of United Airlines, and who also happens to be a drag queen. Seriously, like an actual? Yes, the CEO, and there is a video of him at a pride parade in Nashville this summer where he was dressed in drag and dancing and grinding up on a stage and stuff. Scott Kirby, CEO of United Airlines, totally out and proud about it. I would not hire that man to be the shift manager at Dollar Tree. Yeah, I mean, it's the guy is he's he's clearly got some screws loose. But if if DEI diversity, equity, inclusion, if that is your priority, then that's something you're going to celebrate. It's like, look, America, look, corporate world. We are even more diverse than most of you because we have a drag queen, transgender guy who is, you know, as our CEO. And that's an absurdity because. It's like competence is what built our country. Competence is what builds and runs airlines. You have to have competence or people die. And yet what they seem to value more than anything else is not competence, but their their diversity, which is, it's an absurd thing. So here's what Rob Schneider tweeted. Dear Scott Kirby, CEO of United Airlines and drag queen practitioner, I regret to inform you that I will no longer allow my family to fly on your airline as you have clearly placed diversity of pilot hiring above safety of passengers and crew. As evidenced by the near aviation catastrophe of United Airlines Boeing 777 Flight 1722 from Maui to San Francisco December 18th of 2023, where your diverse but incompetent flight crew didn't know which flaps were causing its near disastrous disastrous descent coming within 750 feet of killing everyone aboard your United Airline. I cannot tell you how many United Airlines employees have personally thanked me for my valid criticism of your careless and life-threatening leadership. Mm -hmm. I look forward to your swift dismissal by UA's board of directors before your inane actions cause the deaths of hundreds of men, women, and children. After your inevitable firing, you can get back to your true passion, your drag queen performances. <laughs> Sincerely yours, Rob Schneider, former 1000 United Airline frequent flyer. Mm. So 1K United Airline. And he's right. Yeah. It, Rob, Rob Schneider is right. And this tweet was reposted, you know, close to 20,000 times with right. 4 million views. I mean, it struck a nerve. It's This is really, this is really important. He's onto something. But the fact that I could imagine what's his what's his name scott kirby reading that and it not resonating and not clicking that that you can attribute to the fact that this really is a religion Mm. rob schneider rob schneider is calling out whether he knows he is or not scott kirby's religion this is a part of a of a pagan system of belief that Mm -hmm. somehow doing all of this woke garbage will atone for our sins and make us righteous before God and man. Like yeah. it, it, people who believe this stuff, believe it with a religious fervor. And so it, a mere reasoned debate. Let me show you some charts here, Mr. Kirby, showing that safety has, got, it's not going to win it over because he, he, he believes this thing with a blind faith. He believes his religion is presuppositional. Right. 
So the same basis that I would reject and you would reject Scott Kirby's absurd drag queenness as as a CEO of an airline, he would likewise reject our rejection of him. Right. Because his presuppositions are they're racist, they're bigots, they don't care about the things that are really important because his presuppositions tell him what is most important is DEI. Right. And that is more important than anything else. And, you know, it's kind of like the... You know, Lord Farquaad and Shrek is like, some of you may die. Yeah. That's a sacrifice I'm willing to make. Yes, exactly. That's exactly right. And I'm sure in deep, deep down, whether he would be willing to articulate it or not, he and all the people who buy into this garbage, that is true. We... We and the 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 dyed-in-the-wool woke believer, believer in the woke religion, we both have gods. The difference is, among others, ours is named and wrote a book. Okay, so we... He happens to exist. Yeah, right. He just happens to exist and actually be the ruler and maker of all things and the one who (laughs) knit you together in your mother's womb. Yours happens to be an unidentified sort of vague set of assumptions that you learned in grad school. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. <laughs> All right. So that's crazy. I will throw out one more taste of crazy here. We do we do know a very good Christian man who is an airline pilot who told us about a trans woman. So a man who is wearing a dress and attempting to live as a woman, which he cannot do. No man has ever been become a woman and no man ever will. Who's flying who was flying the plane. And I think if I remember the story right, our friend was the number two, and this other, this man who was living as a woman was the number one. I mean, in a situation like that, you have to wonder, is he in the number one chair, the pilot's chair, because he is the most competent right. pilot, or because he's a trans man? Or, so, yeah, he's a man, he's whatever. A trans whatever woman, I guess, is what, what we're supposed to call it. So, first of all, yes, that is almost certainly how he got to the spot he's in. And number two, they're never going to be able to fire him, no matter how, no matter, I mean, unless he just, flies this plane into a mountain and somehow himself survives. But short of that, he's not going to be able to get fired. So he's always going to be there despite his incompetence. And then also there's the fundamental reality, like I said with Rachel Levine, where a guy like that does not understand and is not capable of dealing with reality. Would you want a guy who thinks he's a spider flying your plane? No. Would you want a man who thinks that he is Napoleon Bonaparte flying your plane? A man who thinks he's a woman flying your plane is a man who is not qualified to fly a plane. That's right. (laughs) All right, so here's the lay of the land. Here's the bumper sticker version. We've reached the point where companies prefer being seen as diverse over making a good product or service. And this is a religion. It is the appearance, and, and the appearance of diversity is its sacrament. So that's what we were just saying, this this diversity stuff. When you, there are probably sweet, well-meaning HR people at mid-sized companies, maybe big companies, who just are trying to get go along to get along. And this is, they, they have not really bought into this religion. And they may also have some white guilt or, or a genuine sense of trying to be compassionate to their neighbor, okay? But the dyed-in-the-wool believers they are members of a religious system. Yeah. Uh, and that religious system is antithetical to the to biblical Christianity. Well, yeah, it's a it's a religious system and the there's two ways to look at this. One way to look at it is you know, like Paul does this in 1 Corinthians. In in chapter 8, he says idols which are 
they have no real existence. Yeah, yeah. And that's like in this religion. It's not like there's a religion and there's like, oh, I belong to such and such DEI religion. And here's our website and here's our creed and here's our, our rituals and traditions. It's not a real religion in that sense, just like idols are not a real god. But in another sense, in 1 Corinthians 10, Paul says what they offer to idols, they offer to demons. So they may not consciously be aware that the thing that they're doing is actually demonic, but the demons that are behind it are very well aware. Yeah. And in the same way, this is a religion that it's not a religion in the sense that they're aware of it as such, but the demons that are behind it are certainly religious and that they are spiritual actors that are imposing their will on people and on our society. And these people are pawns and they're... and. No, I, 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 for one, believe that some of them may actually be aware that they are doing yeah, I, I the work of a the... sinister entity. I, I don't know that. I've not heard reports to the effect. That hideous strength, right? I mean, like— Okay, so I'm halfway through. Yeah, okay. I'm more than halfway through, and I, I, I texted you the yeah. other day. It seemed like a major day. Yeah, He's like, man, I, I that makes it. me— so, I, so Wade loves the book. Wade actually has a paper copy that I bought but hadn't started to read yet. And Wade's like, all right, I want to take this and annotate it for you and write in the notes and the margins. Is that, I mean, you're not, it's not that you can't handle that book. It's just, I know there's a lot of, in, it's, there's a lot of Britishisms and Anglicisms. We, oh, it's, it's, what I, some of the ones I looked at, it's like you were connecting dots. Yeah. It's like, here's, here's a theme. Here's what Lewis is driving at, which is great. But I ended up, I hadn't got the book back from Wade, but I was just like, I, I really want to read it. Yeah. So more than halfway through and I've just, it's like, it's really picking up steam and you're seeing the dramatic tension play out and it's really exciting. So have you gotten to the point any point i won't go away too much if not but where you some of them do know some of the ones in nice in the nice they, they, they they know that they are dealing with so okay so you haven't gotten to that yet so i, have, I haven't gotten okay it's hinted at okay they've talked about a head the head yeah you know whatever and, okay. that's and there is in a room well i shouldn't say yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> but but that's exactly what you're describing is that there's you know hundreds of guys in this institution that is clearly it, he pawns. wouldn't have called it the left in his day, but nice is well the they call state. them the progressive element. Yeah, okay, there but, you but go. it's not left. Yeah. yeah, left right. But it's what we would call as the left and the big state left. Twenty twenty, absolutely. The the COVID, you know, Nazis. That was nice in that hideous strength. And there are many who are just they're kind of focused on their one little niche of policy or their one little niche of academia, and they don't know what the wider aim of the thing is, and they certainly don't know that there is a, there's a demonic element to it. But the higher up you go, there are guys yeah. who actually know, basically, yeah, Satan's in charge of this thing. Yeah, so the, whoever is pulling or holding Joe Biden's, mm -hmm. he's the marionette that's kind of, you know, am, animating him as a puppet. Yeah. There are some wicked, wicked people that are at work here. And I got to think some of them got to know yeah. that they are serving a dark lord. So I, I'm picturing there's probably, you know, guys who, so I read Francis Collins' Language of God. And I remember back when I was a theistic evolutionist, I really loved it. And even when I wasn't a theistic evolutionist, I'm like, well, the, you know, the guy seems like a nice Christian man. And there might be people like that who are like, oh my gosh, you guys just said that this Christian man might be reporting to Satan or something. Well, let me... First of all, you didn't say he was, and I'm not saying he was, but we're saying it's not a crazy question to say, is it possible yeah. that they are, guys like him, are knowingly submitting themselves to demonic evil, personified or yeah. or other? And here's what I'd say if you think that, if you if you if that scares you, if that freaks you out, because Francis Collins cl claims Christianity, during go back to the Third Reich. If I had told you during Hitler's day, that there were stated Christian men who were high up in the government or high up in 
academia or high up in, in any part of society who were saying that Hitler's final solution, they were, they were trying to, you know, dance around. There, you may, this may have some merit here because there probably were. There probably were stated Christian men who were defending Hitler at the height of his powers. And mm-hmm. today we would all look back <clears throat> and say, well, they weren't Christians then. Yeah. And they were evil. Yeah, and history, it, it takes the perspective of history right. to be able to make that determination. I think that C.S. Lewis would, would the fact that the evil institute in the, that hideous strength, the acronym is N-I-C-E. Yeah, he's that's, doing something there. Yeah, it's National Institute for something. But yeah. it, but he's, that's not just, oh, here's, here's, here's the way the letters work to form a word. He's doing it deliberately because the people there are externally nice. Right. But internally, they're vile, very vile people. I, I'm teaching a women's Bible study at church, and my, we did our first one this morning, and we're going through the book of Jude. And we talked about this briefly. Jude 4 this morning, he says, Certain people have crept in unnoticed, who long ago were designated for this condemnation on God, ungodly people who pervert the grace of God into sensuality and deny our Lord and Master Jesus Christ. And he goes on for the rest of the chapter with some scathing language mm-hmm. about wickedness. But he introduces these people as certain people who have crept in unnoticed. You don't creep in unnoticed if you've got horns and you're wearing a a Satan Rules t-shirt. You creep in unnoticed by being nice, unassuming, mild-mannered, friendly. And I mean, I I think that that is, there is a, that's an open door for naive Christians to allow the evil into our society and into the world because as long as it's nice and not offensive and doesn't tweet mean things i'm sure if you would talk and had a beer with joe biden he would seem very nice but he is a wicked wicked man right so i yeah at at certain levels there are people who are propelling this this woke agenda who are not simply misguided they are if, if you were to look back at history and say, okay, at this given period in time, in this given region, there was this movement which said that certain ethnic groups are morally more wicked and evil just by virtue of being in the ethnic group. I think we would all say, man, that really, that's demonic. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know if there was an actual demon maybe propelling the thing at, you know, pulling the strings, but that that's demonic. Well, that's what this is. So it white people are imputed with this automatic you are just by being white you have a an evil moral stain inside of you mm-hmm. try doing that go ahead and do the intellectual exercise any other ethnic group any other period in history and tell me you wouldn't immediately go okay that's wicked that's wicked that's and the people wicked. who said that are not christian right so all right let's let's dive a little deeply here it first thing let me say this it is unloving foolish and patronizing to be more concerned about the skin color of a potential pilot, surgeon, police officer, or student than his actual qualifications and ability to do the job well. It is unloving both to the person you're hiring or trying to get into the company and to the people he or she is responsible for. It is foolish. You are being a foolish steward. Scott Kirby is being foolish Mm -hmm. by hiring or by promoting people based on external characteristics and deprioritizing their ability to fly planes and yeah. take care of planes. And it's patronizing. And by the way, anybody, I think, who has a grown-up sense of self is not going to want to be hired for that reason. Yeah. I'm yeah, telling you right sure. now, I wouldn't want to be. Yeah, what, think about this. Like, there's, so let's just say you're a black man, and 
you are up for some promotion in your company and you get the job. If you knew that you got the job because you were advantaged over other more qualified or competent men because you're black, you would be insulted. Any man with any sense of integrity would be insulted by that. And, you know, a man with, you know, a strong sense of integrity would refuse the promotion and say, you know, hey, this other guy's more qualified. I did not earn this. I don't want it. I don't want your handout. I want to earn this for myself. And whenever I've demonstrated the competence necessary for the job, then I'll take the promotion. This point can't be made enough. I've heard smarter men than me make it, but it should be made by many, many more people than it is. That is soft racism. That is actual racism. Yeah. I only say soft because it's it's coded and it's it's behind all this language where it, you'd have to do a little thinking, a little intellectual work to to identify it as racism. But think with me for a second. If you're the kind of person who thinks, well, this guy's not going to get anywhere unless I give him the promotion that he doesn't really deserve. Yeah. Really? That's what you think of him? Yeah. That's And I, I, th- I do think a lot of white liberal people who do this, who play this game, they actually don't think that much of black people. Yeah. Well, yeah, there's a th- – this is in evangelicalism. There was a controversial clip that Matt Chandler preached mm-hmm. at the MLK 50 conference where he was pontificating about hiring somebody on his staff. He said, let's say you have an Anglo 8, meaning 8 is in a – from 1 to 10, Anglo 8 – but a African-American seven, who would you hire? And he said, I would hire the African-American seven. I would literally choose a less qualified man purely on the basis of his skin tone. By the way, quick pause. Would Chandler say that if he ran United Airlines? And here's why I ask that. If Chandler would say, Pastor Chandler, I'll give him the respect he deserves. He is a pastor, even though I disagree with him hardly. You know, I'm still going to honor him. If Pastor Chandler would say, well, no, I wouldn't do it with an airline pilot position then I'd say, that's a big problem. Right. If you think a, that we're, is a we're, real job, and that's... Right. Exactly, exactly. Another aside, but it, it's along the same lines. There's a man in our church, you know him, man I have great respect for, and this man thinks very highly of the office of elder, which you just demonstrated your own respect for the office as well. But he he told me once that, he said, if a senator walked into the room I would not have more deference or respect as a senator on the basis of him being a senator than I would for a pastor of a church because a senator deals in earthly matters, but a pastor is dealing with eternal souls. That's right. Now, that doesn't mean that I wouldn't push that too far and be like, well, you know, to put us up on a pedestal. And I'm like, you know, revere us. What I am saying is that there is a, a sense of respect about the office of elder that he shows and you don't want to cheapen it by subjecting it to DEI initiatives Correct. and say like, well, it, the the care and ministry to eternal souls needs to be subject to skin tone preferences in order to preserve good optics for the public. That's that's an insult. Yeah, and I I'll, yeah I've got a scripture, but go ahead. So I, I do want to encourage. I mean, this is this is not, you know, advice from somebody who's 75 years old and has a ton of life behind them, but take it for what it's worth, 38-year-old guy. If you're white and you're tempted towards these sort of liberal kind of soft racist attitudes, make like three or four black friends. Like get to know some actual black people. I think that will help. Yeah. I think when you when when this is all theory and you just kind of envision people you don't ever interact with, 
this can kind of assuage your guilt. Well, if I vote Democratic or if I support, you know, these DEI kind of policies, then I've done my part and I can quiet the sense of guilt that I have. But when the the guys I know who actually live, I mean, so my neighborhood, I live on the west side of Cincinnati. It's suburban, but it's not, it's old suburban. So it's, it's pretty, it's pretty mixed ethnically. Mm-hmm. This isn't the way most of the people in my neighborhood think or talk. Yeah. They don't really think or talk in DEI language. Yeah. And I think it's the same in a lot of inner city, you know, but if you, if you're out in the posh, pristine white suburbs where everybody's got Biden signs, I think this stuff can, it just, it, it, it can yeah. marinate in your heart a little more. And it never has to be confronted with reality. Yeah. I, I'll tell you who really, uh, who DEI is meant to appeal to. It is the project of white, upwardly mobile liberals. That who uh, that and it's a means of assuaging their own guilt. Them and the grifters, the black grifters, who want to capitalize on it and make yeah, a fortune. But it like the rank and file, ordinary black people. They know they know the particular struggles of their experience, and they're real. I, I wouldn't deny that there there are unique advantages or disadvantages based on race, but that should not be the determinative factor. But that should not be the overriding thing over all other considerations. But those people. It's like if you mentioned earlier, it's like to, to make black friends. I would say I would just add one thing to that. Do it. Just get to know them as people. Yeah, absolutely. Not, not as a project. Not as here's I'm doing research. And so my research requires me to get to know some black folk. Right. No, that, that's, that's absurd. It's like just get to know them as people. So I live in a part of town, which is about 50-50, racially mixed. I live in a row of townhouses. There's eight of them. And I think we are outnumbered. I think there are more black people than white people in our row. And when I see people and interact with them, it's it's like I've initially, when we first moved there, there was just more of an awareness. But over the years, we've been there for 15 years. And we st- I just don't think that way. I don't I don't think, okay, there's a black guy, there's a white woman, and I'm going to kind of code my language differently. It's just like, no, that's that's him, that's her. And it, and as you get to know people, you and, and I, I have no problem sharing what I think about, you know, this stuff. I'm like, man, this is absurd. I wouldn't, I wouldn't want other people to be treated this way. And that is, you do get to see that this, it's like a, a, a small minority of people has imposed this bizarre ideology on the whole country and people that are most harmed by it even have bought into it. Yeah. It doesn't do them, it doesn't do them any good. Yeah. Because it, now it's, it's not enough to be black. If you're black, you're just a shade, you know, below white people. It's like, you got to be yeah, gay, Yeah, Tim Scott trans. found that out. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's like you, you, it doesn't actually work. Right. You have to be completely bought into this religion well, this for is it to the really thing. benefit you. So false relig- religions can never actually provide true forgiveness. False religions cannot provide true forgiveness. So yeah. it will never be enough. This religion will never provide actual atonement. Yeah. There'll always be a little bit. For, you're never going to get into the Holy of Holies. That's right. In the woke religion. Yeah, because, because you're unclean. You're right. impure. And just like any religion, there's purity laws. And white people, you're inherently impure. Right. It's like you're you're the you're the Gentiles that that are excluded permanently. You cannot get in. You right. cannot enter in. And the only way is to you know become Jewish to convert and to be like completely bought in. And so metaphorically, because Jewish wouldn't even be enough in the woke religion. Yeah, yeah. So, so it's like you are atoned and absolved from your sin by aligning yourself with the cause. So it's like you have to signal, I am with the cause. And so I am with black people. I am with gay people. I stand with whoever the the fashionable, trendy, oppressed minority group is that month. 
you stand with them. And if, by doing that, you're signaling, I, I am pure right. and I, I belong amongst the, the sanctified few. Otherwise, you're cast into the outer darkness. But you have to keep doing that. So the high yes. priestesses will accept your, the high, the high lesbian priestesses of the woke religion will accept your sacrifice with your BLM sign for that one month. But then you better bring back your next sacrifice mm-hmm. at the next high f- feast day. <laughs> because yeah. I, <laughs> well, it's funny because I was reading this right before we, right before we started recording there. So this is something I, I just saw. This was published 10 days ago. Uh, this is from New York Post, but I saw there were other similar posts. It's FAA. So this is a Federal Aviation Administration. So people that the government agency that determines air travel in the United States. FAA's diversity push includes focus on hiring people with, quote, severe intellectual, unquote, and, quote, psychiatric, unquote, disabilities. So I'll read that again. Their diversity push includes a focus on hiring people with severe intellectual and psychiatric disabilities. Down in the article, there's a, there's a quote from the FAA website that states of other impairments like hearing, vision, missing extremities, partial paralysis, complete paralysis, epilepsy, and then here's the ones, severe intellectual disability, psychiatric disability, and dwarfism. Now, these are, so now ableism is another ism. It's another oppressed class. And so... <laughs> It's like you, if you if you're black, well, it's like you might as well be white because it's like that you don't have many advantages. But if you're black and lesbian, if you're a woman and black and you're a lesbian, oh, but let's say you're a dwarf. Let's say you're a dwarf and you're you have psychiatric mental illness. It's like you just keep accumulating these these status markers of your oppression, and that is how you climb the climb the ranks. And there's always going to be more. And Jordan Peterson points this out. He said eventually it gets to everything is broken down to the sovereign autonomous individual. And the idea that all men are created equal is part of our founding in the United States. It's like they will, it eventually will come full circle to realizing that there's actual wisdom in recognizing each individual's value of every individual and right. not just as oppressed citizens. That's yeah. bizarre. No, that's great. You, you said you wanted to, there was a scripture you wanted to read, right? Oh, yes, yes. So the, the idea of, 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 uh, I've heard people say things. It's like, well, you know, this idea of competence and punctuality and, and things like this, these are, these are white European Western mm-hmm. values, and this mm-hmm. is this is just another example of white people oppressing everyone else. But it's a biblical value. So the the one that came to mind while you were talking earlier is Proverbs twenty two twenty nine. It says, "Do you see a man skillful in his work? He will stand before kings. He will not stand before obscure men." The principle there is skill and hard work, diligence, effort, and competence. Yeah. That 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 deserves to be honored and should be. It's like that that person will stand before kings. Mm. That person is the one who is worthy because he's earned something through dedication, effort, hard work, and and skill. And that does not mean that somebody who has less skill, less competence, less intelligence is less worthy of their dignity or of salvation. Their or the human gospel. worth before God is no less. Yeah. And yet God really did make a world where excellence and diligence are admired. So David was not before God worth more than any of his brothers who were not chosen to be king. Yeah. And yet David is more excellent than his brothers. Yeah. And that that's how God made the world. So in our, it, what I would say, according to that, or in accordance with that from Proverbs, that teaching from Proverbs. I'm reading a biography, autobiography of John Patton, 1800s Presbyterian minister to the cannibal islands of Tana and Aniwa. Today, it's the nation of Vanatow, but back then it was the New Hebrides. So 
island filled with people basically similar ethnically to like Aboriginal Australians. And they were all cannibals. They ate each other. He gets there. And on the second trip to the island of Aniwa, he just describes there's this beautiful passage where he's like, within a few years, people obviously stopped eating each other, but also faithful to their marriage, no more wife killing. He described how they were more diligent in their planting. It used to be the men would just stand around all day and make their wives do all of the the physical work required on the island to stay alive. That stopped, and men started doing work and doing it in an orderly fashion. And his whole point is it's amazing when the worship of Jesus Christ is brought to a place. Hmm. People begin acting in productive, more diligent, more prudent ways. And I've heard Doug Wilson make this point. I think it's 100% true. If the gospel in God's providence after the Roman Empire had gone south instead of north, Hmm. Africa would have been Europe. There is is nothing like in my melanin levels or anybody else's melanin levels that dictates their intelligence or their ability to do things. It's the fact that Christendom is a fertile soil for beauty and things that last – the Sistine Chapel is an yeah. example of what Christendom births just yeah. by virtue of the fact that the God of Christendom, the God Christendom is is believing in, is the actual God. Right, right. Yeah, and it, it builds. It, it It is creative, constructive, because it recognizes God made the world one way. And the way that God made the world, there are rules that, we, that must be followed because it's nature. And God is the God of nature. And so we follow these rules. We discover them. We follow them. We operate within them. And when you do, and when you respect the laws of nature, then you can build 100-ton hunks of metal that can fly exactly the right. air at 500 miles an hour and get people That's, safely from one point to another. And when you deny that God, those hunks of metal will crash. They crash. And this, is, this, by the way, does play into immigration policy. So we've got, if you start bringing in millions of Muslims— people who deny the God who actually made the Bible and do not hold to his truths, your society will not be able to continue to build itself up the way the first world in Christendom has. Mm -hmm. You cannot worship Allah and build beautiful, good things that last forever the way Christendom has. As it turns out, diversity is not our strength. Exactly. Which, all right, so I'll I'll get to that in a second when we get to some sophistry. But let me also say something else that's controversial here. I just saw that's in the notes, that diversity. Yeah. So, okay, one one thing about this diversity in hiring, especially airline pilots, police officers, de- Department of Defense employees, things like that, that needs to be said. Women are not actually made by God the same as men. And they are not and should not, there are not and should not be just as many women who are good at engineering and flying planes and running police departments as there are men. We can be uncomfortable with that all we want, but men and women are actually designed differently for different things. The Bible is unashamed of that reality. We are embarrassed with that reality. So it, it, is, it is not problematic to me or to my Bible that there might be one out of a thousand women or a hundred women who are very good at engineering and very good at architecture or something. Mm-hmm. But that, that is not the norm and it's never going to be the norm and God didn't make it to be the norm. So we shouldn't try to manufacture it. Exactly. And not just professional fields that require like a certain level of arithmetic or or logic, but also leadership. God did not make women to generally lead men. Mm -hmm. Piloting is a leadership position. Running a police department is a leadership position. Running the department of fence, running a military unit is a leadership position. 
and you are going against the grain of the God who actually made men and women and made the world they're in if you try to have a woman leading a platoon of soldiers in Iraq mm-hmm. or you try to have a woman p- flying a plane and commanding flight crews what to do. Yeah. Well, think about just some of the things that are that are natural for women. Men, men tend to be, can be disagreeable. Men, men think in terms of things. Women think in terms of relationships in the aggregate on the whole. Yeah. Men being more disagreeable are less averse to conflict. And so if you have, if you're, if you're flying an airplane, you're talking about complicated calculations that you're having to make. You're making decisions about flight patterns, about wind, about, you know, different sorts of factors that go into flying an airplane. And you need somebody that is skilled, decisive, competent. They know what they're doing and they can, they're not going to defer to a dumb idea or somebody else's thing because they... For the they, sake of somebody's feelings. To, to spare their feelings. So they'll, you know, if you have a co-pilot that sees a pilot doing something that's dumb that would put people in danger, a good co-pilot would be like, listen, Captain, I, that is that is an error and that's a dangerous error. And, and I'm sure there are protocols for him to even overrule yeah. if necessary. There, there, there are protocols that do that because competence matters for the sake of what they're trying to do. By the way, even the concept of protocols and here's what to do in a crisis is a very masculine it is. creation. It is a masculine thing, and that is good. We need men to do that. We need men to build things, design things, manufacturing, in, innovation. Women can do those things too, but men will always be better at it, generally speaking. And that that's not to devalue women because we need women for entirely different things. That's exactly right. So that's the issue. The issue is the the guy or, or lady who is who is bought into this woke religion. He or she, and whatever you want to call it, if you don't like woke religion, fine. But you know what I'm talking about. Anybody yeah. listening to me knows what I'm describing. If you bought into this, you see the fact that there aren't a ton of women pilots as a problem. Yeah. And it's something that must have been artificially brought about by a patriarchal society that needs corrected. That's, yeah. a, that's, a, that's a bump that we should level out. A biblical worldview, I, I'm, I'm 100% sure that the authors of the scripture would see it, would see this that's actually how God made men and women different. It wouldn't be normal. There's not. I'm, you're never going to convince me that any of our biblical authors, patriarchs, apostles would have said, yeah, no, it'd be just as good for a woman to lead a, an army. It'd be just as good for a woman to lead an army as a man. No, the scripture testifies to the opposite. Exactly. And everyone goes to the few exceptions like Deborah. Yeah. Because have you ever noticed there's only like, there's like three or four exceptions people run to. Mm-hmm. The why why do you always go to those three or four? Because they stand out because there are only a few exceptions. <laughs> so God didn't make a world where all the time everything works exactly according to, but he did design the world. And so there's a reason why he Jesus appointed yeah. 12 male apostles. There's a reason why he only has men be elders in church. There's a reason why he only had men be kings of Israel and Judah. Yeah. Uh, and it's not because he's some, you know, he he was afraid of offending a patriarchal culture. Yeah. He built the world. Women are his, the glory of man and the most, it seems to me in scripture, the most beautiful thing in creation and essential to humanity. Without women, you don't get people. Right. So it doesn't, it doesn't bother me that God didn't make women to be airline pilots generally. That bothers me not at all. I've never lost a wink of sleep about it yeah. because I love women as God made them to be women. I have a wife and three daughters and I adore their femininity yeah. and never once have I been like, oh man, it really bums me out that God didn't make my oldest daughter to, you know, to lead an army. Man, I wish he, 
Well, th- think about why. Why would you suspect that historic? Let's say you you go back to the the advent of air travel. Stereotypically, and I say stereotypes because this was a good thing. You had men flying the plane, yeah, and then you had women that were attending to the passengers. Does that not kind of tell you what? That, that there was of a course there's does. a wisdom there of course the same ones that on battlefield who's the nurse in the tent yes. and who are the guys with the wounds yeah if you've got a child that's scared of flying do you want a man coming up to him son you're going to be fine right or do you want a woman who will tenderly kneel down look him in the eye and like and comfort him mm-hmm. it's going to be okay they know what they're doing. We're going to be fine. We'll be there in a few minutes. It's like you want a woman to to be able to minister in a feminine way, and we need that. And whenever you have women that are trying so eagerly to become men, and men that like Scott Kirby that are trying so eagerly to become women, right? It's like you neither is good at doing the other's correct basic duties and and basic dispositions, and it's like you end up with a net loss of. Needed masculinity exactly. and needed femininity in the world. Every woman who attempts to be masculine impoverishes the world. Absolutely. That's one less feminine woman that the world now has. Yeah. Okay, so third third part of this, uh, this deep dive here. The people most obsessed with this stuff are not doing it from real, genuine love for real human beings. They are trying to appear virtuous. Real love is not obsessed with showcasing itself for everyone. Yeah. What, does United Airlines or the person who took this picture, or they really just just love? Well, I don't know. Whatever these these nine or something people in it, or like black people generally, or anybody is that what was this posted out of love and affection no. for real human beings? No, come on. There, there's a commercial from United. I believe it was United Airlines also, and it was all about. It, it was like a. They were lip syncing. Kind of dancing and lip-syncing. Oh, the, I feel like a woman. That one? No, no, no. no I saw that one on like Twitter or something. But, but would you like to? That's would you the, like to, I think would that you like might to sing be the, some more Shania Twain. That might be the only part of that song I know. <laughs> well, the, the the commercial shows. It's like it starts. The camera is like on the cockpit, and then you have two women turn around, and you're, you're like uh-huh. looking. You see the the dash, you know, the airline mm-hmm. dash, and they turn around. You're like, oh, it's two women, and then the camera kind of pulls back, and then you have two attendants they step out and then it goes down to the ground crew and the ground crew is all women and they're like dancing and doing these moves and you know it's like look at all these all the things these women are doing right and they don't love those women they're not they're not doing it because they they want to advertise the thing that you buy airline tickets to get you i want to get from here to there safely conveniently at a efficiently that's not what they're advertising they're advertising, if you fly on this airline, you will be like us. You will be amongst the virtuous, mm-hmm. enlightened few that really see that women are supposed to be flying airplanes and working the grounds crew at United Airlines. They're, they're doing it to appear virtuous. You're absolutely right. Nobody who encourages tons and tons of women to get into a career of airline pilots actually loves women. Because I'm telling you, if you actually love women, you know most of those women will be miserable. Yeah. Most of those women will be 42 years old, have had one or no children because of their airline pilot career, and be miserable. And you don't care. You don't actually love women. Yeah. And if you don't know what we're talking about, then you've not talked to an airline pilot and what the schedule is like. That's exactly right. It's like, do you want to be gone for 14 days out of every month? Right. Because you're flying back and forth from Tokyo? 
and you don't get to see your family yeah. because you live in Cincinnati, but you're commuting out of Washington, Because that's what the typical woman loves. The typical woman loves being away from her children or not having children all the time. Yeah. And I know plenty of women who are 80 years old and are happy that they never had children but got a big, long career as an airline pilot. I know many, many of them who just are really happy with that decision. <laughs> it, it, yeah. Okay. So that, And then lastly, this stuff does the opposite of its stated intention. It sows discord, division, and strife, not unity. And if you don't believe me, think for a second about race relations and ethnic relations in 2023 America, or 2024 now America. Are we more united? Right. Has this helped? All this stuff helped? Yeah. I remember when Barack Obama was elected in 2008, and there was even in me a little moment of like, I don't know, maybe this will, maybe, maybe, maybe this will do something. I remember texting my brother something to that effect. I remember my 90-something-year-old World War II grandfather, who was very conservative in every way. He told me he voted for Barack Obama because he wanted to vote for a black man at least once before he died. Hmm. So even though he disagreed with Barack Obama, and I think he shouldn't have voted for him because Barack Obama is an evil man who supports abortion, you know, whatever. But my grandfather had that sense that I'm describing of like, maybe this will help. It was terrible for ethnic relations. We are more divided than ever. This stuff hurts. It does not help what it says it will help. That's right. Okay, unmask the sophistry. Let me peel back the some of the sorcery here with words that goes on. This is by the way, it's been an hour. All right, all right. We'll 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 fly. They don't ah, ah, fly. Nice. Yes, I didn't. All right. I'm gonna fly United. They do not actually mean diverse. That's the first thing. That's the first act of sophistry. Sophistry. They use the word diverse, but they don't actually mean diverse. There could never be too many black people, or too many women. Diverse is just code for collecting as many people on the oppressed side of the cultural Marxism spectrum as possible. The end game here is not a team whose members reflect the ethnic percentages of the United States. The end goal is getting as many people from supposedly oppressed groups as possible. Yeah. So they don't actually mean diverse. They mean they just mean, let's just get as many... As many people on the oppressed side of the equation as possible in this photo. Yeah. And then thank God that bought us some atonement in the religion for a month. Yeah, they don't want diversity. They they want uniformity of ideology that is dressed up in different skin colors and, and you know, however many genders that they want to say there is. Yeah. But on the inside, they're they're all ideologically conformed to this woke religion. However, you know that that's true because the moment you have a black man or something like that that's that is conservative, he's eviscerated. Yeah. He, he is he is cast out with the Gentiles. Yeah. And then second act of sophistry, when they say diversity is our strength, you need to recognize, well, that depends. What is the thing you're saying is diverse? Because if you mean worldviews or philosophies, not just like ethnic breakdown, then no. <laughs> Diversity of worldviews in a single organization does not make anything stronger. It makes it weaker. Go tell Bill Belichick, hey, you know what we need here? A diversity of offensive schemes. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, or the uh, Mark Cuban. You, were, yeah. you know the controversy. With yeah, <laughs> I do. So, so no, it, diversity is our strength. You need to, what, what is it that we're talking about being diverse? Yeah. So America is not made stronger just to put my money where my mouth is here and be plain spoken, America is not made stronger by adding tens of millions of Muslims. No, America is not made stronger because Muslims do not believe in the God who actually made the world. I want them to repent of their sins and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. But if you import millions of people who do not believe in the, in the, the teachings and values of the God who actually made the world, 
that your nation is not going to be stronger. It's going to be weaker. Yeah. And they're not coming here to assimilate into our culture. Right. That would be a very different thing. They were refugees from Islam and saying, teach me about this God. Very different thing. Yeah. Then let me convert this, this country or this part of this country into Tehran yeah. or Riyadh or whatever. Let me exploit that aspect of your religion that superficially seems to obligate you to affirm and provide space for my own religion. Right. Okay, so Bible-saturated Christian thinking. I just want to give one thing here. This will work on us when we have a sense of guilt. This play will work on us when we have a sense of guilt, and it will not work when we don't. We as Christians need to be constantly mindful of our forgiveness in Christ and the fact that we do not need to have any guilt expunged through obedience to some worldly philosophy or standard. You do not need to bow the knee to the woke religion to be forgiven. If you're a Christian, your sins are gone. And when you live in light of that, then it becomes easier to be an actually truly good neighbor, not what you know the woke religion would call a good neighbor. Let me let me Galatians 5:1 just a quick verse. Paul says for freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm therefore and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Hmm. You are sinning if you act like you're guilty when you're not. That's right. You are sinning if you act like you're guilty when you're not. All right. Logs and specs and and I I, I know you're going to have at least something to say on this one I'm guessing. Logs and specs, here's where Christians, we need to look in the mirror a little bit and pull something out of our own eyes. Most white Christians have allowed themselves to become too afraid to be real, helpful neighbors to their black fellow citizens. If you ask the typical white Christian, what are some great things within the black community? He'll have an answer. If you ask him, what are some particular sins within the black community? He will hope he dies. (laughs) He will hope he has a heart attack before he has to answer the question. But nobody would have a problem talking about the sins in the white community. Correct. We need to train our hearts to feel like forgiven men and women who can speak freely and helpfully to our neighbors. We're not going to be good neighbors if we are so afraid and ashamed that we cannot speak frankly with one another. Mm -hmm. So Christians need to deal with that. And I don't know if that, you know, elicits any any thoughts or reactions from you. I, I know we both got both of us have, I think, our own different paths within wanting to stand against racism. And I mean white racism. Yeah. So from, you know, I would say probably most of my adult life, that has been something I felt really strongly. That I live in a nation in which for several hundred years, it was permissible to treat black people like animals. Yeah. To throw them into ships have millions of them die over the course of a couple of hundred years, treat the ones who got here like cattle, break up their families. And then after we end that, then make them use separate bathrooms and make them go to crappier schools. And that that was a, such an abominable, wicked thing, an abominably wicked thing that we've, we've got to deal with it somehow. Yeah. And that and I think everything I just said, I still stand by everything I just said. That is exactly as evil as it sounds, probably more evil than I can even make it sound. And we do have to deal with the lingering effects of it somehow. And yet, there are fewer black people who are getting married and raising children together than there were a hundred years ago. So what is going on? Yeah, holiness isn't built on grievance. It is built on repentance and 
what we've seen is a net decrease of holiness and a net increase of grievance, and the two are connected because grievance is the precondition of the woke movement. What what I think is, it's kind of like you know these how Disney's been doing these reboot movies. Yeah, you've yeah. got you know the Aladdin, and then they do like a live remake mm-hmm. of it, and it's all diverse cast. And there was Snow White is the one that's coming out next year, and they take the original, and the the original had some power some some narrative weight to it it was mm-hmm. some legitimacy and that legitimacy then is then twisted and perverted into this you know new diverse DEI version of it and so i think with with civil rights the civil rights era you had legitimate sin that needed to be dealt with you had the way you were describing the way black people were regarded and treated that needed to be broken and it needed to be broken with it's not like there can just be some marginal improvement. Well, okay, we've we've kind of put away some of our excesses and now everything's fine. It's like there needed to be some some real break with that way of thinking and a radical shift. And the civil rights movement brought that in with lots of bad consequences. But I think yeah. the desired the desired best version of the desired outcome was repentance of sin that was prevalent in our culture and the way we operated collectively. So there was a moral legitimacy to that that repentance of racial sin, and I, th- I think any most people, if they're honest with themselves, would acknowledge like, hey, I've there 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 are attitudes, beliefs, behaviors that I've participated in that I need to repent of, and I need to see my fellow man and woman as God sees them. However, what that is, what that has done is created a legitimate narrative that can now be rebooted like a like a bad Disney remake. And the woke DEI version now takes the legitimacy of civil rights repentance, the you know black slavery type of racism mm-hmm. sins, and now it's bolted on. Well, okay, homosexuality has the same moral legitimacy, yeah, and then all the other things that they would layer onto it. And the thing is, is that ethnicity is not a moral. There's no moral standing based on one's ethnicity, right? And I'm using ethnicity because I think the word race is. I've been doing that for the same reason. Yeah, so that's, ethnicity is a biblical word. Ethno, right. a people group. Yeah, in the Bible, race is human race. There's right. one. We but, every single human being who lives is descended from Adam and Noah. Yeah, ethno matters. Race doesn't. Yeah. So there. So like even just reaching all nations, there's an ethnic component to that. But so there's, but there is no moral value, no moral content in one's skin tone or ethnicity. But there is moral content in sexuality, mm-hmm. in, in terms of LGBTQ homosexuality and that sort of thing. And so I think it is, it is. There is a what is needed in the church because the church I think has been duped by seeing real things that needed to be addressed and going way overboard with it and buying totally into the Marxist solution rather than the biblical solution. And then because that narrative has been set, the trajectory has been set, we've allowed this DEI version of the civil rights movement now to be this Trojan horse that allows all kinds of sexual perversions and then anything else that can claim oppressed status to be smuggled into the church to our detriment. So I think that's where we've been complicit and where where I'll speak speaking for myself, I've seen that in the American church and I, and I've seen like, okay, that we need to make a hard break. We can't merely make, oh, you know, I want to, I want to back away from something that I see problems in. It's like, no, there has to be a hard break and a deliberate stand. I'm like we cannot go down this road because right. it will, it is very destructive. We are not loving any neighbor by doing the DEI woke thing. That's right. We are hurting people. Yeah. Real human beings suffer under this stuff. 
Okay, so logs. We beat this. We beat this horse. Wait, won't yeah. you? You want to bring right. us home? I will. I will. Okay, <laughs> let me give you three reasons for hope before we close out. First, we do actually all share a maker and an image. We do not have to frantically come up with some proof of the worth and dignity of all people. It's already true. You are actually already everyone who's listening to this, whether you're Asian, Black, Hispanic, White, you are already worth the same before God as me. And I am already worth the same before God as you. We don't have to, I don't need permission from the Democratic Party or anybody else to think that. And I don't need to frantically come up with proof that I really do believe it. I can just open my Bible and know it. I was descended from Adam. You were descended from Adam. I was born in my sins and trespasses. You were born in your sins and trespasses. That is a beautiful thing. That allows me to actually genuinely look at any human being on planet Earth right now and say, that person matters. And say, that person's sinning wickedly. I don't care that Francis Collins is white. I care that he is doing evil things. All right, that's the first reason. We have actual truth we can ground this in. Gospels, the second. The good news of Jesus Christ is actually a binding universal message and power that will unite all kinds of people from every tribe and tongue. God is doing what diversity initiatives cannot and will never do. And then finally, last reason for hope, the church. Listen to me if you're not, especially if any of our listeners are not yet in a church or if you are in a church, but you gripe about it. Hmm. If you're in a church, but you're not happy about it. I want you to hear me very carefully. Love for real, imperfect, present human beings, not the idea of people, does actually shape us into more gracious, neighborly people. If you want to get better at loving people who are different from you, then be committed to brotherly and sisterly relationships with imperfect, sinful people in your church. That will shape you in that direction. So if you actually want to be the kind of person that these DEI initiatives and this woke religion claim to be able to turn you into, a tolerant, loving person, whatever that means. If, but, if, but if you have in your mind this idea of a person who's gracious and warm and likes people and wants the best for them, Go to church and love imperfect sinners at your local church. And God will turn you into that person. Thank you for listening to the Current Reality Podcast. Send us any feedback to currentrealitypodcast at gmail.com. If you found this episode helpful, consider leaving us a five-star review and sharing it with a friend. And for more information about the King's Domain, Gendered Virtue, Men and Women Who Take Dominion conference in April of next year, check the link in the show notes. See you next time. Stuck at home for weeks at a time